A select few survivors are tasked with colonizing and repopulating a new Earth. Strong female characters drive the action in this dystopian post-apocalyptic thriller. Georgia, one of several beautiful genetic exotics, dares to break free from the tightly controlled social structures that forces women like her into a life of sexual slavery and forbids all women to bear and raise their own babies. Enter the Hatchery. Chapter 35, The Neighborhood. Georgia and Roxy had survived their desperate escape past the volcano and were now solidly over the border between their home sector and this new unfamiliar part of New Earth. This was Arthur's home, but it was also the home he tried to escape from with his wife and daughter. Georgia didn't know much about Sector A, except for the bit of information Arthur shared with her, and even that was composed primarily of patronizing and insulting comparisons to Sector B. She had nothing specific to go on. Despite the sulfur haze and long winter season, Georgia had a natural feeling of civic pride toward her home sector, just as anyone would for the only home they've ever known. She felt the sting of the insults that Arthur flung about with casual superiority, but managed to deal with them as manifestations of Arthur's caustic personality. But now, as Georgia surveyed the view beyond the volcano, there was Sector A before her eyes, and she understood Arthur's aura of superiority. The sky above was a delicate shade of turquoise, and free from the choking yellow haze that plagued her home sector. Peeking out from behind a large fern, she could see that the jungle had been tamed into a neat grid of paved paths that were lined with stately stands of palms. Even the paths through Sector A appeared very walkable, with no danger of slipping on icy slush. She would soon discover that the citizens of Sector A didn't wear the same waterproof boots with grooved soles that were common on the other side of the volcano. In fact, her boots felt cumbersome here. Beads of sweat formed on her forehead as she waited impatiently for Roxy to wake up. It was much warmer here, too. She looked down at Roxy, whose wild curls had turned into a collection of damp, sweaty swirls around her face. They would need to find cooler clothes. Their orange jumpsuits were hot and far too conspicuous to go unnoticed. Georgia was sure that the citizens of Sector A dressed differently, too. She wondered what else to expect. Only two days had passed since they left the exotic storm, but they hadn't slept much and they hadn't had anything to eat. Would these strangers welcome them or hand them over to the authorities? Georgia pushed back that last thought. They really had no other choice but to trust these strangers. She and Roxy couldn't survive much longer without their help. Georgia's heart dropped as she thought about Iris and her exotic housemates. They must be so worried by now. 
She felt guilty that she couldn't tell them what she was planning. Well, it was for the best, she thought. If they're ever questioned, they won't have anything to share, except for Sheila. Georgia imagined the authorities questioning Sheila and the smart-aleck remarks that she would give in response. She was confident that Sheila wouldn't crack under pressure. She was much stronger than Franklin, and unlike Franklin, who never bothered to get to know his own daughter, Sheila developed a strong, loving relationship with Roxy. They were best friends, despite the huge gap in their ages. Sheila would sacrifice her life to protect Roxy. Georgia was certain of it. It was late in the morning when Roxy finally began to stir, kicking the fern coverings from her legs. She looked around with perplexed wonder. I'm over here, Rox. Georgia was still standing at the edge of the cluster of ferns looking out. Roxy wobbled out of her nest and stood next to her mother. She used her hands to spread apart a bushy fern so she could see what her mother was staring at in the distance. Is that the place where Uncle Phil lives? Yes. The thought of stepping out into the open unnerved Georgia. She felt paralyzed from doubt and fear. Who could they trust? Mommy? Roxy interrupted Georgia's thoughts. We need to find the pink house. Georgia stared incredulously at the determined little face. A pink house? Uh-huh. The people there will help us. Um, okay. We'll do that. Georgia took Roxy by the hand, and the two of them cautiously stepped out from the ferns into the open. Hello there, miss. The scratchy voice startled her. She looked from side to side. I'm up here. Georgia froze. Don't be frightened. I've been watching out for you. The name's Gerald. Georgia looked up and saw an ancient human. His face was crested over in tight wrinkles, his body compact and bone thin. He was sitting on top of a narrow watchtower, which was cleverly hidden among a cluster of tall palms. She was standing right next to where the border guards would be watching and had no idea it was there. She felt utterly foolish and incredibly lucky. That your little girl with you? Tell her it's all right. Guards are playing cards in the bunkhouse, lazy bastards. Georgia looked over her shoulder and took an anxious breath. This is my daughter, Roxy. I'm jo Georgia. I know who you are, he interrupted. The boss told me to keep an eye out for you. He said you'd be coming round soon. I gotta say, I'm mighty impressed you made it here so quick. He scampered down from the tall tower with strange agility for an old man. In Sector B, no one was allowed to live long enough to acquire many wrinkles. I'll take you to the missus place. It ain't far. He started walking along the fence, and Georgia and Roxy dutifully followed. They really had no other option than to trust this odd stranger. Gerald gingerly pulled a section of fence to the side. It was perfectly matched to look like a solid barrier, but it was cut clear through. Georgia smiled at the audacity of it, an easy access through the border fence right under the watchtower. Roxy hopped through the opening. 
and Georgia ducked down to avoid getting her hair caught in the sharp edges of the cut wire. There you go. Now we just need to get you past the fence without any of those sons of bitches noticing you. He tilted his head in the direction of a cart leaning against the fence. Climb in and I'll cover you up. Georgia lifted Roxy into the cart and climbed in beside her. Lay down good and flat. She turned her body to face downward and put her shoulder over Roxy's face. She could feel Gerald heaping palm fronds over them as he whistled to himself. He leaned in. You comfy? We're okay. Stay real still and don't make a sound till I tell you. Georgia could feel the movement of the cart as Gerald pushed his cargo along. There were a few times when the wheel caught a divot in the path and she could hear him swearing quietly to himself as he struggled to push the cart out and forward. He was weirdly strong for an ancient. He had to be at least 60 years old. All right, now, you can get out. We're close. He pointed toward a brightly colored row of identical houses. That pink one at the end of the block. That's the missus place. He smiled a toothless grin. You all right? Georgia crawled over the side of the cart and pulled Roxy out after her. She used her hands to brush off the residue from the palm leaves and pulled her hair into place. Roxy's hair was beyond salvaging. It was a huge tangle of curls and flecks of dried leaves. She did her best to smooth it away from her daughter's round face. Roxy looked like a garden fairy. Thank you, Jer- She was amazed at how he had disappeared without a sound. The only remnant of his existence was the cart he left behind. She took Roxy by the hand, and the two swung their arms back and forth as they walked. Just act natural, Rox. We're just an ordinary mother and daughter on a walk in the neighborhood. As they walked past the row of houses, Georgia couldn't help but be impressed. Each two-story house along the wide paved path was identical to the rest, except for its color. Each house looked immaculately maintained, and each was neatly framed by its own large rectangle of soft green. There was no icy slush or haze in sight. Alpha Centauri shone brightly overhead in a turquoise sky. They made their way up the walkway to the front door of the last house on the block. This had to be the pink house that Arthur instructed Roxy to find. All the rest of the homes in the block were painted different hues, from bright chartreuse to a deep indigo blue. But this one, and only this one, was painted a soft yet unmistakable pink. Georgia led Roxy up the tidy, narrow walk to the front porch of the pink house. She looked down at Roxy. Well, here we go. She knocked on the door. Just a sec, I'll be right there. The voice floating out from behind the door was soft and pleasant, like the color of her home. The door opened and behind it stood a woman who looked like she had walked through a blizzard. The front of her garment was covered with white powder. Oh, sorry. I was baking. I must look a mess. She chuckled. Can I help you? I'm Roxy, Roxy blurted. Uncle Phil sent us. The woman had a puzzled expression. Uncle Phil? 
I'm afraid you must have the wrong Arthur sent us, Georgia offered, cautiously clarifying. I'm Georgia, and this is my daughter, Roxy. She knew Arthur by a different name. He was her Uncle Phil in Sector B. The woman put her powdery hands over her cheeks. You said Arthur? Georgia nodded quietly as she watched the woman's knees give way. She reached out to steady her. I'm so sorry. Are you all right? The woman straightened herself and stared with disbelief at the two ragged strangers at her door. I'm fine. I just never thought. A man named Gerald brought us here from the border. The woman bent down, ignoring Georgia and focusing her attention on Roxy. Hello, Roxy. My name is Joyce. Are you hungry? Would you like some pie? What's pie? Oh, it's yummy. You're going to love it. Okay. Roxy took hold of the woman's dusty hand and followed her into the house. Georgia stood frozen on the porch. This is Joyce, Arthur's Joyce. Come in, Mommy. It's okay. Georgia took a deep breath and walked through the door. The aroma of fresh-baked pie filled the air and set her mouth watering. She had managed to fight her hunger pangs up to this point. It smells like heaven. I've never tasted pie. Joyce smiled back. Well then, you are in for a real treat. She took a sharp knife and broke through the still warm crust, being careful to make a clean cut. She grinned at Roxy, who watched the process with fascination. I'm going to give Roxy the biggest piece. Is that all right with you, Roxy? Roxy nodded enthusiastically. Her eyes twinkled with delight as Joyce placed a huge piece of pie on a plate and placed it on the kitchen table. Sit here, dear. Let me get you a fork. Roxy didn't wait for the fork, but put her hand into the warm, flaky dough and shoved a generous helping into her mouth. This is delicious, she slurred as she chewed, her mouth stuffed full of doughy delight. I'm glad you like it, <laughs> Joyce chuckled. No need to rush, there's plenty more. Roxy nodded, barely pausing to breathe as she continued to shovel the pie into her face. Joyce turned to Georgia, the knife poised, ready to cut a second piece. May I? Oh, yes, yes, please. Thank you. Joyce placed a slightly smaller piece on a plate and motioned for Georgia to take a seat at the table. Then she cut a third, much more conservative helping for herself, before sitting down to join them. Georgia took her first bite of pie. It was hard for her not to shove the whole slice into her mouth. Roxy is right. This is absolutely delicious. Thank you. She held a glistening morsel up with her fork and examined it. What is this? Don't you recognize it? Her hostess laughed. It's hearts of palm. <laughs> I improvise with my great-grandmother's recipe for rhubarb pie. There's no rhubarb to be had on New Earth, but I read somewhere that hearts of palm have a similar consistency. I tend to a small strawberry patch in the backyard. That's the red and sweet you taste. You two must be starved after that ordeal. 
Georgia realized she had tasted this level of sweetness before when they served the bumpy red fruit with the champagne at her very first pairing. So this is strawberry. It's delicious. Tell me. Joyce had rested her jaw into her hand, braced for a long and interesting story. How do you know Arthur? Georgia swallowed hard. Joyce was referring to her husband in the present tense. She doesn't know he's dead. Arthur and I met at the reproduction center. You're an RT, then. Georgia swallowed another piece of pie, stalling for time. I'm an exotic. Oh, I see. Of course. <laughs> Just look at you. Georgia blushed. It makes sense that they would transfer Arthur to run the Sector B Reproduction Center with his level of experience. I'm happy to hear that. I miss him. Georgia nodded. Yes, he is very knowledgeable. She paused thoughtfully. I, I know about your little daughter, Maggie. He told me. She fibbed. I'm so sorry. Georgia looked up at the ceiling. Yes, it's been hard to lose them both. She moved her gaze to Roxy. Maggie was the love of our lives. We risked everything for her. She looked at Georgia. Of course you would understand. Roxy's yours, isn't she? Georgia squirmed uncomfortably in the stiff kitchen chair. I retired as an egg donor and I adopted her. I love her like... Like she's my own child. Joyce gave her a tight-mouthed grin and shook her head slightly. Of course. Georgia leaned forward. Arthur wasn't sure if you survived the border crossing. She sighed heavily. I did. I ran like a coward. I don't know how I avoided the border guards. She stopped herself. Actually, that's not true. I know exactly why they let me escape. She looked down at her lap. Her voice continued in a low whisper. My father was a leader. The guards hesitated. They were afraid to harm me. She slouched in her chair. Of course, the border guards didn't hesitate to capture Arthur. I used my family connections to get him out of the termination center, but... They would never allow him to come home. A realignment and transfer was the only option. I'm surprised he remembers me at all. Georgia reached for her hand. He never forgot you. They couldn't erase you from his memory, Joyce. Joyce smiled. I don't know how I feel about that. It must be hard for him, remembering what happened to Maggie. Georgia felt another pang of guilt. She had spurred Arthur's terrible memories to serve her own selfish purposes. He eventually remembered, but not right away. I think that's why he wanted to help me and Roxy escape. I'm sure that's why. She pulled herself back from the chair and stood up. Well, now that you're here, I guess we should make some household adjustments. You're staying here, of course. Oh, no, we couldn't possibly impose. It's the safest place for you to be, Georgia. Like I said, 
The authorities leave me alone. She made her way out of the kitchen. Please help yourself to another piece of pie. I'm going to make up the guest room for you and Roxy. It'll be nice to have some company for a change. Arthur was right. His wife's strength was impressive. Georgia also thought about Maggie and Roxy's expectation for a play date with her Uncle Phil's little girl. At least for now, Roxy was preoccupied with stuffing herself with Joyce's mock rhubarb pie. Georgia was grateful for the distraction until she would have to tell Roxy the truth about Maggie. A few minutes passed, and Joyce returned to the kitchen. Georgia felt a little embarrassed that so little of the pie was left. She and Roxy had helped themselves to two helpings each. Joyce looked at the near-empty pie tin and smiled. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. I love to bake. It's one of the few things I take any real pleasure in these days. Georgia watched Joyce move with a practiced efficiency around the kitchen. She thought about her next question. Should I ask? Excuse me, Joyce. Who is Gerald? He was so helpful, but I'm confused about him. Joyce chuckled. Gerald is my uncle on my father's side. He's a sweet old soul. I don't mean to be rude, but how old is he? Sixty-five. He's my father's younger brother. My father always had a soft spot for Uncle Gerald. He kept him out of the termination center by getting him work, harvesting palms for the distillery. She pointed to her temple. He's not altogether right in the head, but he's harmless. After my father passed away, I sort of adopted him. Georgia stood up. He's amazingly agile for an ancient. I've never seen anyone that old. Where I'm from, everyone over 55 gets sent to the termination center. Joyce frowned. I'd never let that happen, Uncle Gerald. He sleeps in the shed in my backyard. He tends to my garden and does odd jobs around the neighborhood in between harvests. People don't pay much attention to him, she smiled. I guess that served in your favor. Yes, but he knew about us. He said he had been waiting for us. Joyce nodded. He told me this wild story some time ago about Arthur communicating with him through some sort of ancient code. She paused. You see, Uncle Gerald, he's not... He's not the most reliable source. He's been a bit agitated lately about someone named Georgia coming, and I, well, I humored him. He's been spending his spare time up on the border watchtower looking out for you. She chuckled. The border guards are more than happy to give up their post to him from time to time. No one really checks up on them, and their duty is long and monotonous. No one has tried to escape since, well... Since Arthur and I, as far as I can recall. And now, here you are, she chuckled again. I guess I should have paid better attention to Uncle Gerald. Arthur had found a way to communicate with Gerald. How? George's puzzled expression asked the question without words, and Joyce was happy to explain. Uncle Gerald sounds very simple-minded, but he's really quite brilliant about certain things. He claimed to have intercepted a coded message from Arthur. Can you imagine? 
Of course I didn't take him seriously. Would you? I suppose not, Georgia shrugged. 